Hi there, welcome to the Good Life Community Church Podcast. It's so good to have you join us for a new year, 2024. We're kicking it off looking at the book of James through the month of January. I hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. Wow, I think I got the best reception, unlucky ladies. Um, I'm Greg, if I haven't met you before, welcome. Welcome to a new year and welcome to Good Life if you haven't been here before. I have the privilege of um, being on the pastoral team here at Good Life. I've been here just ticked over two years, I think. Maybe in a couple of weeks, actually. I think my starting date was delayed, remember, by that pandemic. But anyway, onwards and upwards, they say. Today, we are starting with um, our series on James, James through January. There it is. That's his name. Now, believe it or not, James was actually not written by James, but by Jacob, I found out. Jesus' half-brother. And Jacob was the, um, the leader of the main church of Jerusalem, and this mostly consisted of Christian Jews, but they faced some hard times. They faced um, famine, poverty, and persecution. So that's the context of which this book is written. So we're going to be diving into that, this book, through January, and you'll be hearing from a number of speakers, and the privilege this morning for you is listening to me. No, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, now, James is a summary of wisdom, a book of wisdom from Jacob. It was a letter written, but not to a specific church community. If you look at the opening address, it's to all Christian followers of Jesus, and it's still very applicable to us today. And if you look into it deeply, there's two main influences to this book that um, scholars can see that, that Jacob was drawing on, and they are from the Proverbs especially the first nine chapters, and also Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. They're the main two influences that we can see through this book. And to summarize this book, you'd, you'd basically say, taking from that Sermon on the Mount, it's loving God and loving your neighbor. That's what this is truly about. And it's best known for its practical advice. And that's why I think so many people love the book of James, because it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straight shooting. It's pretty punchy. And we see that especially in chapter 1. Chapter 1 is a bit of a summary of the whole book of James with these just punchy statements that keep kind of smashing you in the face with these practical application of what faith should look like if we take it seriously and if we live it out in our lives, if we're true followers of Jesus. So it's tough. As I look through it, I can't really say that I can summarize the whole chapter because it keeps moving through and we'll cover these verses as we go through and you listen to other speakers. So I didn't get far. I actually only got to the first couple of verses. And anyway, on the line, this is our title for the book. James, the original, just do it. Because it is so, so practical. So that's our series title for January. Just do it. And I added the original in there because, you know, we're talking thousands of years ago, right? So let's jump in. James chapter 1. I've got a reading from starting in verse 2 to 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's about as far as I got. I did keep reading, but I just kept coming back to this. I was drawn to it. And originally that word perfect stood out to me. Now perfect translated from... The original Hebrew and Greek in the Bible talks about wholeness, mature, complete, not lacking anything. 
it refers to an integrated life where our actions actually line up with our core values and beliefs. That's what this is talking about. And if you think that's God's mission for the world, isn't it? To restore humanity and make us whole again. Make us align up with what he, the original intention and purpose for us was. Now, Jacob repeats this word, perfect, um, seven times throughout his book, but five times just in chapter one. So I think it's important. And the, the other thing that stood out here to me really was that perfection is achieved through hardship or trial. That's pretty confronting, isn't it? A pretty confronting idea. And I was a little bit nervous as I started to approach that. Now, I'm studying psychology. I think I've shared that with many people here before. I'm ticking away through that. And this, this reading actually reminded me of a famous psychologist and research you might have heard of um, by Carol Dweck. Now, she is famous for what's called growth mindset. Maybe you've heard of that, especially if you're at school these days. It's getting pretty common. Her original studies, she looked at academic performance among students, and she looked at, um, they did these studies, and they got kids together, and they were testing them, and basically, one group, they praised for their intelligence and said, you guys are really smart. You're great. You're awesome. Look how clever you are. And actually, what that did to their overall performance was they declined. Their persistence decreased, their motivation decreased, and they started to think that their intelligence was fixed. To a second group, they actually praised them for their effort and their hard work. And over time, they saw that their motivation increased, their persistence increased, and their performance increased. And that's what my mind was drawn to as I read these verses. You see, they saw that mindset was the key determining factor. And we look at this verse here, and it said, consider it. What's your mindset as we go in and we approach this? So I feel a bit ripped off for Jacob. You know, Carol Dweck's getting all this credit. And 2,000 years ago, Jacob was the OG on growth mindset, right? It's there. So mindset is really key here. And I think that's the invitation. Straight away, I see it. This verse is an invitation to adjust our mindset in how we view suffering and hardship. No longer should we try and avoid it, view it with contempt, um, hatred, but it actually says, see it as pure joy. Now, that sounds tough to me. An opportunity to grow towards perfection, towards wholeness, towards consistency. And I think this highlights something really confronting, something I find challenging, and I think especially in our Western world, the society we're in, our culture, it's how we... I know I do it. I tend to seek pleasure and comfort, and I really tend to avoid hardship and pain and suffering. In our family, we have a bit of, of a tradition about mapping out our dream days whenever our birthday comes up. It's pretty exciting and fun, and there's obviously some strict budgetary constraints. But you get to choose the activities for the day. You get to choose the menu. However, I must confess my mind when I'm mapping out my dream day has never goes to suffering. I've never said, I'd like to be stuck in traffic. Um, I'd love to get an aggressive email, especially after my message on Sunday. I love feedback in that way. I'd love to lose my phone. Love when that happens. It's usually in my daughter's room. And then when I get to the fridge, I'd love to find that my Hardy's accidentally eaten it. See, we avoid these things. We go out of our way to make things clear. We label our lunch. We look at Google Maps. We love comfort. We avoid hardship. 
Not that I think we should go around seeking discomfort or pain, like some sadistic kind of thing, it's, but it's a reminder, consider how do we approach it? Or are we going out of our way to like extreme lengths to avoid it? Why? I think this verse goes on to, to um, explain that if we reframe this suffering and these trials, we have this opportunity to grow our character, which isn't really surprising. I'm currently at university, and you go there, and you learn, and it's hard. There's challenges, there's assessments, and they push you, and they challenge you, and that's how you grow. To grow in perseverance and become spiritually mature and complete, we're going to actually have to push into hardship and difficult situations and different challenges if we want to grow, not avoid them. And here I think this verse actually highlights that pure joy should actually come from not hedonistic culture and comfort, but actually from this internal growth and transformation. That should be our goal. Now, suffering is a promise in life. I'm sorry if that's news to you. Jesus himself says this in John 16, verse 33. He says, here on this earth, you'll have many trials and suffering. It's coming. If you haven't had it yet, there's going to be times in life that are going to be really hard and you're going to suffer. I'm sure all of us have faced sufferings and hardships to different degrees. I actually don't feel overly qualified to talk on this. I know I've had a very comfortable life overall. But I don't want to undermine the challenges and suffering that, that different people face and the sadness that many people face in this broken world. I think sadness and trauma beyond what God ever wanted or planned for us. Hardships that might need time to heal and may never truly heal. Scars that you might carry for your entire life. Hardships that need people and community and maybe even professional help. But here, Jesus offers some hope to suffering. And if we're ready and if we're willing, there's an invitation or an opportunity to grow through it. If we cling to the promise that God is good and that God is with us and for us, I think that's the key here. Tim Mackey, who works for um, the Bible Project, that's what he says describes as true wisdom. He says it's true wisdom is seeing the goodness of God despite my circumstances. That's wisdom. The next verses in James talk about this. Verses one, chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And it goes on to say, do not waver. And I think that gets back to this idea of wisdom. Being, don't waver. Don't let our circumstances determine whether we think God is good. We need to know that. That's wisdom, knowing God's goodness despite how we feel, despite our emotions, despite our circumstances, knowing that and clinging to that. We read together, oh, we actually didn't read it together earlier. Sarah's apologizing to me now. We'll do it at the end, right? The blessing. We were going to do our, our communal reading comes from Ephesians this, um, this uh, month. We often like to pause and read as a community. It comes from Ephesians, and you might be familiar with it, but it I want to read a part of it now. Here it is, just one part of it. It says, I pray that his glorious unlimited resources will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. We need to know that God helps us do this. We're not alone in it. God's not like, do the best, know that I'm good and you're left to it. God's with us and he empowers us to do it with his spirit. That's the mystery of God in our lives. And as I mentioned, God gives hope to suffering. In James 1 verse 12, 
God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. He calls us to endure with hope. There's hope to our suffering. And that got me thinking about this idea of endurance. This is where we develop. This is where growth happens through endurance. It's not a short-term gain. In Hebrews 12, where it talks about the heroes of faith, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It's like an endurance race. I don't know if anyone here is into long-distance running. It's hideous. It's horrible. Again, we're a community who like to avoid discomfort, right, mostly, because it's very uncomfortable. It hurts. It's not easy. But that's what endurance is about. I recently turned 40, just last year now, and I've taken up road cycling. Yep. At my age, my body is no longer what it used to be, and I need low-impact sports. And I don't know why that correlates with very, very tight clothing. I don't, I don't, I'm yet to understand why. You know, your body gets older and softer. Let's tighten the clothing. Let's accentuate. Anyway, it's something I'm embracing. Tight clothing. It's a gift. And each week, I've actually been getting out uh, two or three times. Um, and each session, pushing myself to go a little bit faster, a little bit further. And I'm improving. My speed, my endurance, my fitness are all growing. I've been slowly building my fitness. And I had this goal at the end of last year of completing a 100-kilometer ride. And I managed to do that. On the 27th of December, we got out between Christmas and New Year. My body needed it, some exercise. and. I made the 100-kilometer ride. Thank you, thank you, yes. No, you're right. But I don't want to turn this into like an Oscars acceptance speech. <laughs> Believe it or not, despite that long build-up. It seemed like that's where I was going. Because one, I didn't win anything. It wasn't really a race. Secondly, any serious cyclist in the room would look at my Strava account and just go, cute. <laughs> look at him, so cute. But actually, because I can honestly say I'm not the hero of this story. Not that it's that heroic anyway, but you know what I mean. 100%, I give the credit to community. I had Mike, Jeffs, and Andy, another guy from this community, who invited me to get into this sport. They kitted me out, and continually they invite me to go out cycling. Andy is my greatest encourager. He pushes me to go further and further, sometimes... Occasionally, literally, he pushes me. And I'd say he's the best windbreak on the coast. His butt right in front of me has never looked so good. I know that sounds weird, but it's a fantastic view. You're safe there, right? Elijah Jeffs has ridden Montville with me many times. He slows his pace. He's come back and cheered me on and pushed me to go further and further faster and faster and harder and harder. He cranks the tunes, and he's been a great encouragement to me. And really, finally, it's only for the coffee at the end and the tight clothing that we all ride anyway. <laughs> but this community made me reflect on my personal journey, my faith journey. And I mentioned before, Sarah, my wife, and I came to Good Life in 2007, heavily pregnant, Sarah, that is, and we're looking for a church for our family, for our family we're about to begin. And I can't say I can relate to Jacob's context of famine, poverty, and persecution, but I can relate to the hardships and stresses of life, 
raising a family, and I'm sure greater challenges will come. And I'm certain that my mother-in-law, who's here this morning, my friends, many of them here, my kids, my wife, can attest to the growth and maturity they've seen in my life since being in this community. I can honestly say that I cannot take credit for it, just like my riding. It's only been in community that I've been transformed and changed and grown. It's by God's grace and mercy and love in my life, but that especially is expressed through other people. Friends who have been, showed me great generosity have inspired me to be generous with my time and money. Words and knowledge of wisdom spoken to me personally and collectively like this that have mentored me. Forgiveness, mercy and grace shown to me by my friends when, you know, you have these big opinions. I've talked last end of last year about my words and that journey. Who forgive me and have shown me to be humble and to forgive others. Love towards me that makes me feel like I'm valued, that I belong. It's in community that I've been able to endure. And it's in community that I've been able to grow. Life here and in other communities is not free of suffering, though. I think community can be one of the biggest challenges in life. Feeling exhausted, feeling hurt, being disappointed, feeling apathetic. Things I've commonly faced. Like, for example, having kids. Yeah, Hendrix. Can actually be the worst. I mean, they use all your money. They eat all your food. All of it. And your lunch the next day. They make you watch the worst TV shows. All the Christmas movies. Oh, my goodness. Glad that season's over. They destroy your house. And they make you late. The list goes on. Salute Richie and Antia, by the way. Well done. However, kids are actually the absolute best. They fill your life with joy and with hope and love. They give you purpose, and you can totally blame them when you're late. <laughs> Living in a broken world and even existing in community is really tough. And persevering in community through hard seasons is what builds endurance and character. I so appreciate the members of this Good Life community who have seen it through many hard seasons, who have stuck it out and endured. They've shown for me and my family what true wisdom is, trusting God's goodness through every season, keeping fixed with that vision that God has for our community. They add depth and richness to our community. So I think here's that invitation as followers of Christ, we need to shift our mindset. We cannot simply seek comfort, but we need to engage in the world and engage in community and learn to see discomfort and serving others and giving of ourselves and this suffering as an opportunity to grow. I often reflect how, as I mentioned, through this community, I feel like I've grown the most. And honestly, I don't think it's been from being listening where you are on a Sunday. It's actually been by being in the community and serving practically that you grow. We need to prioritise this. Perfection, wholeness, growth. We need to seek to become perfect. So how again do we do this? Through the mystery of God's strength working in us. 
It's a mystery, but God promises that his Holy Spirit dwells in us and changes us from the inside out. We need to cling to the truth that God is good no matter what our circumstance. And we need to push into community because I think community is what breeds endurance, cheers us on, keeps us going. And that's the promise here in James. I want to finish with this idea. Sorry, I think this idea of growth through suffering is really a confronting idea, especially if you're here today and you're in the midst of something really challenging and really hard. However, this idea shouldn't surprise us. I think this is the invitation of the cross-shaped, self-sacrificial love demonstrated to us by Jesus, who on the cross in the midst of horrible, most horrific suffering actually spoke forgiveness. This is the invitation of love to be transformed by and through Jesus. Earlier, I gave us that verse on suffering that Jesus promises in our life. And deliberately, I didn't read the whole thing because it's much more hopeful. And I want to finish with this verse. Here it is on the screen. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And that's good news. The promise of suffering is there, but Jesus is with us and gives us peace. And beyond that, Jesus can redeem our suffering and grow us to be more like him, to be better in the way of love. And that's great news for us and for the whole world, for us as individuals and for us as a community. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. God, this morning we gather here and we celebrate and we remember that you are a good, good God. That you love us all, no matter what we've done in the past or what brings us here today, that you are for us and that you look at us through that lens of love. God, I pray that we may experience your peace as we go into this world and we face hardships and suffering, may we know that you are good. May we cling to that. May we overflow with that wisdom. And may that knowledge change us. May we grow in faith. May we grow in love. And may this countercultural attitude we carry shine your light of love into a broken world and may it bring hope to others and hope to us god thanks that you don't leave us alone to do this but you promise to work with us you're with us and you're for us through the gift of your holy spirit we say thanks amen thanks for listening to the good life podcast don't forget to follow us on socials and we'll see you next week